This one is with Jeremy and it's about filmmaking. I love his story because it's a lot about serendipity and things just falling into place and not necessarily seeking out a passion, but the passion sort of finding you. It's also really neat to hear about how he attempted to meld that into his career, what that looked like, how it evolved, and how filmmaking is a part of his life today. So without further ado, do enjoy this conversation with Jeremy. Well, Jeremy, I wanted to thank you so much for chatting with me today about a little gem in your life. It's, what is it? It's two o'clock your time. We are in full swing of quarantine mode, and I thought this was a fantastic time to talk about something that's bringing you some joy in your life or that has brought you that feeling of happiness at some point, whenever that was. How you doing? I'm good. Thanks, Jem. <laughs> Wonderful. Okay, so I'm going to jump right into it. What is your little gem? All right, thanks. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, for context, uh, I'm excited to be on Little Gem's podcast. This, I haven't really done podcasts ever before, so I'm excited to talk about something that brought me joy in my life. Um, that's always enjoyable to talk about. And that actually, for me, isn't something that's happening currently. Um, probably the biggest gem uh, of my life was when I was into filmmaking when I was younger. Amazing. Okay, so let's backtrack a bit, rewind. Tell me about when you discovered filmmaking and how. I discovered filmmaking when I got kicked out of the acting program at Rockridge. <laughs> I, wow. I know. So basically I came in all cocky thinking I, I knew it all because the school before I, I loved to act and, and do plays and whatnot. And then when I arrived at Rockridge, I um, it was run by the grade 12 students. So my arrogance just didn't go down very well. And I, uh, yeah, so then I, I, I couldn't do that. And then there was this film class uh, opening up. So I just switched last minute from drama to film. I think that was in grade nine. Wow. Okay, so one door closed, a window opened, you went through and you made a switch. Exactly. So then I went into film class in grade nine without any knowledge of film at all. But um, there were some students a few years above who were making, uh, you know, videos that at the time like looked cinematic, which mm -hmm. if we're going to backtrack here, we're talking like 2009, 2010. Okay. Yeah. So I saw these guys videos and I was thinking to myself, well, if they were able to sort of create uh things that looked cinematic, like something that I might have seen, that's not even an option or, or something I considered. Because at the time, people used like handy cams to make videos. But but mm. there was, an, yeah, there was an opening area of technology where we were, DSLRs, which were extremely affordable, um, were kicking out, and even phones were kicking out resolutions that, um, you know, could compete with a lot of what we saw on the big screen. Right. Okay, so basically, your passion and interest was kind of more linked to the technology or the ease of which you could now make movies rather than maybe, I don't know, being a big movie buff as a kid? Well, yeah. And then, so yeah, I think it was the technology that got me into it because I was a big nerd. Um, and then I, so actually, <laughs> the technology getting me into it, that same year that I joined that film class, I was like, well, let me go home and try and make my own film. So I put the camcorder up and started recording my TV. Um, and I was playing Call of Duty at the time. 
Uh, and anyone who knows me well will remember this phase because it was <laughs> it was hilarious, but it was historic because I'd I'd breached about half a million uh, views in like 2009, 2010 on YouTube just filming. You went viral. Yeah, I went viral filming my screen. Wow. And this was pre-viral days. I kind of remember this when it was a big phase to record yourself and maybe not even necessarily put it on YouTube, but I definitely have many memories of making little videos with the intent of putting them on the internet. Oh, totally. Everyone was doing it. It was like, mm. even whether it's Facebook or, or YouTube, everyone everyone was sort of breaching into this world of like, we can share content. Nobody could have predicted that it would become the medium it has today. Yeah, that's a really good point. Do you think that the age that you came into this at, so that was, you said grade nine, so you're four, 15, 14? Yeah, yeah, it's like 13, 14, something like that. Yeah, something around there. Do you think that that was kind of ideal for you to be able to grow this passion? Like, do you think if today you walked into your high school, we wouldn't be able to because everything's online now, but if, if you were in high school in grade nine and it's 2020, do you think you'd still have that interest in filmmaking? It's hard to say. I mean, at, so this story goes a lot deeper as well mm. um so do you I, indulge yeah i know i will so it if i was to go back in today i would i i don't know if i would have the same passion for it but at the mm -hmm. time i did i got sort of t turned in turned on to film and then once i was on it i i just loved to make those youtube videos that went viral and whatnot then i started taking cinematography very seriously um and started working with some of my classmates um and we would make films from grade 9 to grade 12 and we would go to uh, awards like we went drove down to Seattle at one point. Um, oh, and yeah, we would we were like really, really into like the technical aspect, trying to make basically our films look as cinematic as possible. They were just short films. So okay. although we sidetracked onto the YouTube area, which is like people making short films uh, or what have you or like content, I actually went like the filmmaking route. And that's where my so my passion was in the art of filmmaking, not necessarily the virality or like uh, ease uh, of technology in the end. Okay. So because I am a complete novice in this field, actually, I just know absolutely nothing. When you say the filmmaking side of it, are you talking about literally the content, like the visuals, what you're seeing optics wise, that was what was in of interest to you was being able to go to beautiful places or just new scenery and capturing that. I was obsessive about making sure we we were have like the way it looked would like evoke like every shot would like have some level of like depth to it. Whereas mm. I, I wasn't even like it wasn't going to the environments, it wasn't the script, it wasn't anything um, other than like the actual like shot and and maybe even whatever it was was like unique or like had was different. Okay, that's very interesting. So it wasn't so much the the purpose of it or the purpose of what you were creating like the movie or were these movies these were movies were yeah so i went on a on being movies yeah i went on a side sort of angle on talking about youtube and whatnot because that's what sort of breached the gap mm -hmm. for me to get into filmmaking but in the end they were short films yeah okay incredible so were you dipping your toe in the script writing as well or was it kind of something that you guys disseminated as a group you and these older older people that you were working with so i 
was actually working with people my age. The people who were older inspired me. Okay. But that's neither here nor there. I, again, these films, I don't think were very good. Um, just to, again, go back a bit. But I really did love to make them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I don't know. What I heard a siren. Okay. Amazing. Good thing we have modern modern magic through editing. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. Can you take a quick break? You want a break? Yeah. Um, <laughs> fuck, that was hard because I kept going down. I kept going down and explaining a part of the story, which would then which would then invite questions which weren't related to why this was my gem at all. No, but this is so interesting. That's the point. <laughs> it's got to go down these paths. Okay, you yeah, I gotta, I gotta be more. I feel like people would be asking. Okay. People, all the people that are gonna listen to this podcast, but I think there's no better way to get to that point than to just let it all trickle. Or is there something that you really want to get out there now instead? Um. No, I forgot where we were. We can just, we can just take off from where we were. Are you sure? Yeah. Do you remember what it was? You're killing it. I'm so interested. I do remember where we were. Do I remember? Um, Oh, yeah. You just said you were making little movies. I want to ask what these kinds of movies were. So the kinds of movies I was making were short films, but um, again, they 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 had their merit, uh, but their script was not that. Anyone who's seen them would know exactly what I'm talking about. They basically had whatever, like our last final film was a vending machine where he he went to the vending machine and he put money in and it didn't dispense the chip packet. So he put more money in and then it dispensed two chip packets. That's fantastic. (laughs) But part of it was getting inside the vending machine with a camera. And you know what I mean? And like, it was, and also like a vending machine was such a mundane object that you'd pass every day in high school. Like the fun of it was the artistry of like working with a vending machine, not at all the plot, you know? Got it. Okay. So I, I really get the sense that you were very attracted to, like you said, the artistic, the creative side of it. Yes. Amazing. So do you think that that's something that's kind of trickled its way into anything that you're doing now or what is it about the feeling that you were getting when you were making these pieces of cinematography and getting behind the camera what was that feeling that you had and I guess not how is that trickling into now but why aren't you doing it now because you mentioned that this is something that you were into in high school and that you kind of fell into and that you loved why not now So the reason I'm not doing it now is because there was a lot of there was a lot of teamwork involved. So you have to have the people around you who care enough. There's a lot of time involved. And the reason it was so special to me at the time is because it was so purposeful. You would sit down, you would plot, you'd write, you'd stress, you'd collaborate, then you'd get together and you'd have a moment, a camera, an actor who was just your friend at the time, there and then you'd execute and then afterwards you'd spend maybe even full days and nights like sleeping at their house and editing it. And that process, which was so time sort of intensive, 
was the special part of it, but it's also it's also the exact thing that you can't really give up uh, in your mid twenties when you're trying to make a life. Um, maybe you can, but I couldn't. Yeah. So I guess the commitment and the degree of, it sounds like the bond that you need with the people that you're working with and kind of this shared vision with that regard. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, it's, it's, it is like in some way, shape, form, it's all artistry, but yeah, you need, you need, there's a lot of allowance for time and a give for, it was the most important thing in my life at the time for a few years and that nothing else could come close. Whereas as you get older, you realize you need to like, you can't really just if you're working a film you're often working on someone else's films because mm. it's unlikely you'll find a group of people who are equally passionate about the script with similar t skill sets and mm. similar background knowledge to immediately collaborate and create a feature or a short i mean that's that's why you just don't see it happen really right do you think that that passion has folded itself into something different at the point at which you kind of segued out of filmmaking did something else enter or was that kind of a void i'd say it's always been a void not being able to focus all my time into something creative whatever it may be there's so much to get done that i do enjoy and you make you make your job creative so i work in marketing and i find that i have a lot of creative agency and autonomy in what i do which i couldn't live without but it doesn't compare to the idea of purely doing something with no interest in the money at all. Yeah. Well, that kind of makes me wonder, do you think that your interest in filmmaking actually came from this innate passion that you had for design or just basically art in a sense? Or is that something that you kind of cultivated and that you started to enjoy because of all the other things that were so neat about it, like getting to spend time with your friends on this project that you were all passionate about and creating something together. You make a really good point. It's completely Thank feasible. You. Yeah, it's completely feasible to imagine I could have put that same energy into a different project or a different, a different thing like photography or whatever it may be. And well, that's a similar thing, but like, you know, like acting, like doing right. plays used to do or something that something that's just that's creatively like fulfilling and I could have put that same energy and found that same love that's I think that's a completely fair point I mean film was just what it ended up to be and that was the gem of my life as I was 16 to 20. That's so special do you think that because I kind of already asked this earlier on but I want to go back to it do you think it's changed the way that you watch a movie do you have more of a respect or appreciation for cinematography in general or is it just separate is it a hobby a passion that you love to be a part of but not necessarily something that's actually influenced your perception of other elements I was actually really bad at film theory it was I got like 60s I think in university like I was so bad at sort of looking at a film and like taking away uh whatever it may be symbols or like the colors mm. or like the, the the way that the structure of the film was meant to be laid out like I was really bad at like 
analyzing and understanding someone else's and i'm also not a movie snob like i love all films even the really bad ones what they are so i can't i can't even say that it that it has translated into movie watching at all interesting okay so i can't even begin to imagine what a film theory test would be like and how you could be graded on that like what kind of questions are you being asked the problem is they're really it's really problematic because they're they're pulling assumptions or some of it's some of it's fact that that a director or cinematographer or uh, mm. what have you, uh, ha- any someone in that process has made a decision to, let's say, turn a prop's eye and shut it in one scene and open it in the other for like some like f- fulfilled prophecy later on in the film. Like they contrive a lot of meaning uh, and okay. they expect you to um, contrive your own meaning from different parts of the films. Whereas as a filmmaker, I was I was never... And I'm not saying that a lot of people aren't. I know that a lot of people utilize all these different methods, symbols, colors, and different things to like evoke certain feelings and like generate whatever, whatever. But as a filmmaker, I I, I focus less on that. And and so I don't know. I just it just in film theory, I always felt it felt like every assumption was a stretch. Hmm. Yeah, that reminds me of like a grade ten English class where mm. the teacher says, "And why do you think that?" the author really highlighted the fact that the water was that blue and it's just, it's up to interpretation and maybe there was no reason behind it at all. So that sounds, that sounds to me like something that could have almost pulled away from your interest or passion in the subject. Cause were you taking that course in university? Yeah, that it definitely dulled my self-belief. Hmm. That's, that's heartbreaking. I hate to hear that. <laughs> This, Do you think that this, there's, yeah. This story is not over me in filmmaking, but to this day, I, I did when I leave, I left university and I didn't study film, I studied media studies, but I went into mm. the film industry and I worked in the film industry for a year. So I, I decided to like pursue what my hobby was as my career and it, it wasn't what I wanted it to be. What exactly was your role when you were working in the film industry? I had a variety of roles. I started as a PA, which is just someone who like wears a vest and directs traffic. And then I went to... Uh, mm. Then I went to become a camera trainee, which is someone who learns from the camera department. Then I elevated to become a second AC briefly for a few different things. Um, and then I like overheard a producer in a tent say they needed someone to shoot social media content for one of the stars. So I found his email online and I emailed him my portfolio from high school. And then he hired me to film social media for a couple of celebrities. And then I just followed them around for like six months. And that and then that eventually spiraled me into marketing, social media marketing originally. So yeah, that's how it all unfolded. That is an incredible series of events. Like, talk about working your way through so many different opportunities and roles within an industry to kind of get a little taste of everything. And you still, so it sounds like you were like boots on the ground in the film industry, presumably in Vancouver. This was when that happened. Yeah, I'd worked in post-production in grade 10. I did an internship uh, and then for the summer. So I'd worked in the post. And then when I got out, I thought I wanted to be on the ground. And then once I re- once I did both, I realized there's so many cogs in that machine that you aren't mm-hmm. really impacting or having any creative say. You were simply a laborer. And I guess the cameramen that are on on these sets, do they actually have any ability to navigate and direct 
a scene at all? I mean, obviously they are directors, but can they even choose what angles they're working from? Or is that really all in the hands of the director at the end of the day? Um, so to break it down, you'll have, you'll have a, you'll have a director uh, on set. You'll have a key grip who, who decides, um, sort of like how to bounce the lighting and whatnot. You have gaffers who are like electricity and lighting. You have a director of photography who works closely with the director to decide the shots. Then you have the, the cameramen who work below the director of photography. So, and then above the director who we originally started with, you have the producers who paid for the thing so they can come on set and pretty much veto and shake everything up as they wish. Holy. Okay. That is a command chain for the ages. We're not, we're, that's the highest level of command. <laughs> we're not even talking about the hundreds of people below all of those people. And so virtually no one has any say. Hmm. And then the final say rests on, a, on the director of photography and the director pretty much for almost everything on set. Well, I can see how that's incredibly demotivating, especially when you're just beginning. And if you come in with so much passion and so much love for an element of the filmmaking process, like cinematography, I can totally see how that gets sucked out of you so quickly because you have no ability to actually harness that. Yeah, I mean, coming full circle, like the topic of this is a little gem. So like my gem was making films like I loved the creative process. So when you go yeah. into a workforce and you're not able to sort of execute and do the part of it that that made it worth it, then it's like any other job. And there's really no reason to be in it. Well, it certainly is a testament to the fact that your passion and something that brings you joy and light in life doesn't necessarily need to intersect with your career and that if you're sitting there kind of wishing that it did it's kind of a dangerous path to go down sometimes because I think that it can actually really turn you off of something and it, it puts so much pressure on something that you loved for its intrinsic value or for the feelings that it gave you and now it's something that you rely upon to make a living yeah that's exactly it. Given the option, I wouldn't go back to the thing that I love the most as a hobby. And I think a lot of people would say the same about a lot of their hobbies. Do you feel like when you're on your iPhone and you're taking a photo or recording a video for whatever purpose, Instagram story, a memory, anything, do you get a similar feeling whatsoever? Or when can you kind of elicit that same excitement about being behind the lens and seeing things through that view that you're hoping to see them through. It's tough. Like I'm no better of a photographer than anyone else. Like uh, who's like just picked up an iPhone for the first time. Like there's such a, there's such like, there's so many creatives out there. I find I'm no better at any of this than anyone else. What was so valuable was the process of it. And, the, and, it, and you kind of strip that when you just take a photo with an iPhone or a video with an iPhone. So mm. then, you know, so it's not like you're sitting and looking at a, a potential picture for like an hour and figuring out how all the different parts will interact with like the rest of the piece. You know, it right. not doesn't have value, like it has its own value, but like to take a video or to photo with a phone or even I have like a very good video DSLR, like any of that doesn't, uh, once you strip it of all the other components, it's it doesn't have that same reward to it. I guess it is a completely different method 
to the madness of it now and because of how easy it is to record and to capture moments and we're quite frivolous with it. I mean, you think of like TikTok where you have five seconds of content and that is someone's quote unquote cinematography or that's their, their outlet. Do you think that there's some sort of way? No, delete, delete, backspace, backspace. (laughs) If, (laughs) if someone wanted to get involved in cinematography today and they came to you and wanted to hear about your story, but they're in their 20s and they've always had a yearning to give it a go. How would you suggest that they do that? I've turned a lot of people off of trying to go into the film <laughs> industry and unjustly because I realize that my personality is a lot more bullish than a lot of other people. And a lot mm. of people can sit back and do those few years, those five, 10 years and work their way up and make on the side their own films and like forego a lot of other opportunities in life to to see their passion um as their day-to-day like i my personality didn't align in a way that a lot of other people's actually do so a lot of my friends who i all my friends actually who are in that same film group in high school there's four of us all three of them work in the film industry right now really yeah and what kind of positions are they in just out of curiosity like how much have they kind of digressed from whatever their initial passions were they that's the things like you can say digressed but for them like they might have taken a different part of it or they for them the passion just sat differently than it did with me but they um one of so one of them um will be a first ac on commercials a lot and he does other first ac work and sometimes even higher than that already and he he was great and then another one has a has has gone through the union in a variety of different roles so he can be a gaffer he can be a cameraman uh he can be a first ac second ac um depending on sort of the budget and the level of production and what they need like he can come in at pretty much any stage and the other okay, one i, I have to quickly much. ask yeah, sorry go i'm gonna need a quick description of a gaffer and an ac so ac is short for assistant cameraman okay and gaffer is the name given to like the chief electrician or like the head electrician in a uh, like on a production set. So yeah, so uh, there's I, I guess there's so many. Think of it like an army. Like there's like you have like your lieutenant, and then you have like a yeah. lot of different like units below them, and then like there's like sergeant, and then he has his own unit and whatnot. Like that's the same fucking thing. Like you have like all these units with a head, and they each the head is responsible for an for like maybe a tiny bit of choice, but mostly just wrangling all the people below them. That is exactly how I've been imagining this entire setup, to be quite honest with you. But it kind of brings me back to what's interesting is that when you were so passionate and so excited about this, or actually, I should backpedal. Are you as equally passionate and excited about filmmaking now? No. Mm. No. No. But you think that it's the thing in your life that you are the most passionate about? I was. It's the thing that in my whole life, like of all the things I've ever done, this was the thing that gave me the most joy. Mm. That's so beautiful. So you said a couple a couple little minutes ago, you did mention that your your story with filmmaking isn't done. What does that mean? Okay, so obviously obviously filmmaking is like very commercial. So of of all like the forms of like expression that you could do, I don't know if I don't I'm not sure if it's like my favorite. But the reason I say it's not done is because I think 
there's a, there's a way to have feature length films with less people and more creative choice, like a way to rework the structure that a film would typically have and like do away with like all this like century of, of, of sort of, of discipline and, and, and read like the way it's done in the past doesn't need to be the way it's done in the future. So I do see a potential for me in the future to sort of go down a road of making a, one feature on one script that I'm really passionate about with a very small set of people. Um, but to get to that stage, I would want to have accomplished some of my other goals first. I love the sounds of that. Yeah. Do I don't think know that, that, yeah. That. Sorry. I don't know if I'll actually like execute on that, but like that is, you, I keep that in like the back of my mind as a motivator. Yeah. Well, I think it's really nice to know that you can get back to that place. And clearly that was a very special time and a lot of really precious memories that you have associated to it. So of course it's really nice to have a little spot in your mind where you can keep that door open. Yeah. I don't know. It's tough. Like if there's any listeners, it's tough to pass on any lessons from my gem, but just to say that like, Sometimes you'll be in the midst of doing something that you love uh, and you'll have all these moments of joy. And then you think and then you as you move on in life, you look back and you're like, oh, like those moments of joy that were like dispersed throughout like me doing that thing. Like that was happiness. Like that was that was what I love to do. And you can find things that you love to do. Like I'm sure I'll look back in this period of my life and say like, wow, I had such a passion for like the, my job in a way that I might not have in 10 years. So mm. Yeah, any lessons to pass on it would just be like, just enjoy the moment of whatever your creative outlet may be. I love that reminder so, so much. And I think just in the people that I've even spoken to about the idea of a little gem in general, they tend to kind of go back a few years. And it's almost this nostalgia for something that they're not as involved in now, but that they have this plan on reinvigorating to some extent in their life some way somehow but it always seems to be something that was kind of in the past and so like you said you probably have one right now another little gem that's happening before your very eyes that you are involved in and that might only kind of reveal itself to be that special after the fact totally I think it's interesting, like such a good point. Like, why is it that we reflect on these things? Like, why is it always, like usually in the past that our little gems are? I don't know. No, I think another thing though, is that they're kind of linked to this flow state or this idea of a flow state. And so perhaps you're just so entrenched in it and so involved that you're not really taking a step backwards and seeing it for what it is. You're just in it, in the thick of it. Such a good point. Such a good point. I imagine like exactly that's like the, that flow state is what we're all trying to achieve and like yeah totally you're in it when you're doing your thing such a, such a good point well thank you jeremy before we cap this off i would love to hear about if there's anything right now in your life in your career in your world that somehow you think can kind of link to filmmaking or at the least the feeling that you had from filmmaking and how you entered entered into that space the most similar thing I'm doing right now is designing websites probably. So when you, if you were to, yeah, when you design a website, like a film, there's different ways someone can interact with a page and someone can get from A to B and link their decisions and, and draw conclusions from what's on the page. And you have an array of options that aren't just linear scrolling down a page or clicking links. 
you have an array of sort of decisions that you're able to make um, that will completely change someone's experience. And although someone may just glance at your page, it is fulfilling to make something that's a bit unique in that respect. Definitely, definitely. Do you think that you see things through a different eye or different lens, pun intended, because of your history with filmmaking? Or is it just kind of the way your brain works? Yeah, I think everyone's just made up of their experiences really, aren't they? So you'd look at the way you design a page and the way I design a page would be different. It might be better, it might be worse, I don't know. But it'd be a compilation of my ideas of what a page should look like. Yes, would yours? Yeah. What a true point. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for chatting today about filmmaking. It definitely renewed an interest in me to actually watch movies because I've always been somewhat unable to enjoy movies I think because I find them boring which is a very controversial opinion (laughs) but it'd be really neat to watch the movie through the eye of somebody who was the eye behind the movie so I'm definitely going to incorporate that into my quarantine activities and check out the cinematography behind some some classics So, thank you so much for coming to chat. Thank you for having me, Gemma. Gemma's good.